Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Well, hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Welcome, one and all. You can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on the show. We also have a new offering, which is a Shop My Shelf page, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what our address is. Shopmyshelf.us.forever35. Is that right? Um, well yes, done. that is correct. So basically, you can now... Go to shopmyshelf.us slash forever35 and you can find links to just about everything we mention on each episode. Um, we've got Sephora sale links. We're going to be adding a lot more skincare and beauty to stuff, skincare and beauty stuff to this as we keep developing it. But um, please do also, check that out. Also, it's like, I feel like a lot of people often ask us for like, what are the podcasts like favorite? moisturizers 
and there's been like no central place to put all that stuff. It's just all been very fragmented. And so what I like about Shot My Shelf is we have shelves that are like, that can be like Dory's favorite serums, Kate's favorite face wash, like that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so if you head over there, you're going to find a lot more stuff sort of, um, sorted differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kate's butt care shelf. Kate's butt care shelf, which is, there's so many products on it. It's packed to the, it's to so the cheeks. Yeah. Wow. Packed to the cheeks. Okay. A little weird. I know. Packed I know. A little weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it like reminds me of like when I ask my almost three-year-old son, do you feel like you have poop in your butt? What does he kind say? Of the, that's kind of the image that I'm getting. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I I also ask my kids if they feel like they have poop in their butt. That was a thing I used to say to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, goes, uh, yeah. And, oh, and then sometimes he, he goes, mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, be sure to ask me that question sometime. I'll give you an answer. Okay. Do you right now feel like you have poop in your butt? Mm, nope. Okay. Mm, no, nope, me neither. Uh, we do get some affiliate revenue from clicks over there, uh, just for full transparency. Um, but it's a really great, like, it's been really nice to just kind of organize all the things we either talk about or get asked about into one central location. So also think, I'm, just think about it as a super easy way to support the podcast and to support the work that we put into the podcast and the work that we put into making the recommendations. So good call because all you got to do is click and all you got to do is click. A, it's like no yeah. skin off your back. Yeah, just give us a click. Um, and of course, story we can be found on social media on Twitter at Forever Thirty Five Pod and Instagram at Forever Thirty Five Podcast. And um, there's also a large community of listeners on Facebook where in the main group the password is Serums. Indeed, all of that is true and you can sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter we have a new issue going out tomorrow what will be the recommended product in kate's corner tune in i don't know yet although i will say i have been really liking the jones road cool gloss they sent us these like kind of shimmery lip glosses that i have been enjoying okay. so maybe that All maybe right. that okay Just, you know, i don't know yet i haven't decided also a reminder that you can subscribe to my newsletter now we're talking at dory.substack.com and the conversations over there are just popping off well you you inspire poppinness you know what i mean <laughs> Thank is that you. a weird thing to say Thank i feel like you, you do inspire poppinness well, Dory, you know, speaking of serums, I think I've been mentioning this serum like every episode. And you know what that means, right? <laughs> I mean, look, when you get enthusiastic about something. It means it's in my cart. Yeah. And it means the inevitable is about to happen. I am about to click buy on something. And so I just wanted to give a little... Shout out, I guess, if you will, to this IS Clinical Active Serum. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak in hyperbole, which is basically how I live my life. And so I want to, I always try to, try to be wary of that. 
But this stuff is freaking amazing. And what is it about this serum okay. that has really just like spoken so, to you? Here is what I have noticed. I've only used this a handful of times at night um, before bed. And I use this as my only serum with then, you know, moisturizer. And I have noticed an immediate brightness to my skin. And that's brightness feels like such a vague, amorphous term, like brightness. What? Mm -hmm. Except Mm -hmm. when you see it in action and then you're like, oh, I get it. Mm. And this stuff does that. Okay. And yeah, and you know, and I have a, there's another product I like, the Jan Marini um, BioClear Lotion that also kind of does this, a similar, has a similar effect on my skin where I put it on and I just notice immediately the next day my skin looks a little bit brighter. Mm. Um, I've also noticed with this IS Clinical is that it's been, I've had, a, I have a couple blemishes. Okay. And it's okay. been very kind of fast acting in, helping with those wow okay so i might bite the bullet if i can find a discount code somewhere and buy it or i might like beg the people at is clinical to send me a bottle since i am technically right remind me how media person you how did i come to this yeah the person i have seen for facials is a big IS Clinical fan. She had worked with the brand and still really loves it and believes in the the products and had given me a sample. And I was like, okay, I mean, sure, I'll try it because I've always, because IS Clinical is one of those brands I've always wanted to try, Mm -hmm. but because the price point's so high, I just like turn and walk away. Now I have this little sample and the sample's really doing its job. So I look... I'm feeling the pull. I'm going to keep playing around with the sample, but I'm, I know I've talked about this product a lot, but it like, it's having such a noticeable impact on my skin. And I feel like so often I use things and there's nothing. Mm. Anyway, Dory, before we introduce our guest, should we just mention that it is the Sephora sale right now? Yeah, I was just going to mention it. Um, so go ahead, mention it. Well, consider it mentioned. The Sephora sale is <laughs> happening right now. And you can find our, like we mentioned up top, you can find some of our favorite Sephora items at our Shop My Shelf, shopmyshelf.us slash forever35. I'm probably going to buy something because it feels like I can't not buy something. Mm. Like, can you make it through a Sephora sale without getting anything? I mean, you know, I think there's a different, there's like a few different kind of strategies for approaching a Sephora sale. There's the refill strategy where you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to be very practical. I'm going to go in. I'm just going to get refills of the stuff that I need and get out. There's the experimenter strategy where you're like, this is an opportunity for me to try out some things that I've been wanting to try, whether it's skincare, I like that strategy. makeup, okay. etc. And then there's the splurge strategy, which is I'm going to get that big ticket item that I've had my eye on for a while, like the Dyson Airwrap or the New Face. 
you know, like or things, that doctor Dennis Gross um, light, LED mask. light mask, exactly yeah. like things that rarely go on sale that are like a big purchase. And here is the Sephora sale ready to take your money. Those are in my so, mind. Those are the three Sephora sale strategies. Of course, you can mix and match, but you know, I feel like you're a you're a refiller, an experimenter, or a splurger generally. Oh my god, this is like Enneagram, but Sephora. <laughs> you know, which one are you? <laughs> uh, well, Kate, as discussed, you are a exp- an experimenter. I think I am an experimenter. And I will say one thing that's shocking is that I'm only an insider. Like I'm not VIB. Normally I'm VIB. Sephora has like three different levels, uh, like three different tiers of in beauty insider based on how much money you have spent. Mm. And I have in the past been VIB, which is the middle one, but I am currently appear to be the lowest. Oh. Which just is insider. Wow. That's which embarrassing. Is perhaps it's, it's either embarrassing or for my bank account, good. <sighs> what am I? I wonder. I am a VIB. Look at you. Look, I'm VIB. What can I say? Wow. Yep. I'm VIB. Are you going to be buying anything? Do you know yet? Um, yeah, I, you know, I feel like I always buy something. I know. At the Sephora's sale. But you know what? I do just want to point out that a lot of other brands will often have a sale, their own sale around this time. And sometimes those individual brand sales are better than the 20% off that Sephora is offering. All right. So everybody, let's pay attention. Oh, and also, you know, VIB. So 20% is only for Rouge. VIB VIB is 15 15, and insiders get 10. So like, you know, sometimes there's, there's brands that are offering like 20 or 25% off because they want to compete with the Sephora sales. So it's always, I think it is always worth just kind of like take tootalooting on over. Yeah. And seeing if your fave brand is having a sale on their own website. I would also say like, don't overlook the candle and fragrance section Ooh, yes, in Sephora. Yes, yes, yes. Because this is a good time to kind of like stock up on some of your faves or mm-hmm. again, like buy that kind of fancy candle. Mm-hmm. That is just, such a good point. We So as we alluded to earlier, we do have the Shop My Shelf account and we have a bunch of different shelves for the Sephora sale. So there's... Sephora sale makeup, Sephora sale skincare. There is a Sephora sale fragrance yeah. um, section. So, you know, check that out. And look, if you don't want to buy anything at the Sephora sale, that's fine. Honestly, we're just, we're, you, you're we're just, better for it. We're just offering our guidance to those of you who wish to partake. I am, of course, perusing for mint candles over here in the Sephora.com oh, candle zone because... Are you finding anything? <sighs> I can never get it. Well, I did just also another scent that I love is pear. I like pear. I like cucumber. I like mint. I don't know why I like basically like a a garden cornucopia of scents. But oh, yes. See, nest, wild mint and eucalyptus candle. You know what I love? I love like an herb. Like I love like a like a rosemary candle or a basil Mm, candle. Basil. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess mint is an herb, too. 
It is. It is. Yeah. I don't know what, what that's about, but that's where this, my nose is going right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a nest candle. I'll see if they're selling it elsewhere and then maybe I'll do some purchasing. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. it never ends. Well, <sighs> Dory, we are really lucky to have a wonderful guest on the show today. Yeah. Let's talk about that. All right. Well, our guest today is Marissa Renee Lee. Marissa is a writer, speaker, and an entrepreneur. She has served in the Obama White House. She has started her own nonprofit. And most recently, she has written an amazing book called Grief is Love, which comes out on April 12th. And uh, to share a little bit from her bio... To know Marissa is to know her mother, Lisa. Marissa served as a caretaker for Lisa, who had MS and ultimately died from breast cancer in 2008. Marissa has also battled infertility and pregnancy loss. And these experiences have taught her that grief is really just another form of love. Her writing has been featured in Glamour Magazine, CNN, Refinery29, and a host of other outlets. In addition to her writing, she has served as the founder of several organizations, including Beacon Advisors, a social impact consulting firm. What a treat to get to talk to Marissa today. She's been someone who I've been on like Instagram friends with for a while, but we've never actually met in real life, but I feel like I know her very well. Mm -hmm. You know those friendships? Yep. A parasocial relationship. Yep. Yes. But we, we have, you know, bonded over grief. And I just thought her book is, her book is just a really beautiful manual slash memoir slash kind of support read for for experiencing grief yeah it's so it's it's like it's really 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 well done yes it really is and i found you know as someone you know dory and i have both kind of had our own experiences with grief and i was reading it and finding a lot of comfort in it and Mm. you know i just thought that was a really extra special for me because sometimes i'm kind of like oh i'm fine right you know you're like, My I wrote a old. book about grief, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an expert. And I just felt very seen. And I just thought it was a really beautiful book. So I'm we're so excited to have her on the pod today. So let's take a little break. And when we okay. come back, we'll be with Marissa. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. 
Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with glorious dynamic. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. 
I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Marissa, welcome to Forever 35. Uh, we we are going to, re- I mean, hopefully really get into it today because I've already cried while reading your book and coming oh. up with questions. So <laughs> I'm excited. We'll see if we cry today. I mean, I'm okay. But, I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, speaking of self-care, crying is a wonderful self-care practice. But we we like to start every episode asking our guests for a current self-care practice that they have in their own lives. and. As we say, and I think as you really articulate beautifully in your book, um, that can really be anything. So is there something that you're doing right now that is self-care for you? So there are two things. Um, One, I have been taking more baths as I've become a mom these last few months and, and, you know, developing a bedtime routine for a baby. It's gotten me thinking more about my own routines or lack thereof in most cases when it comes to really just shutting down and relaxing and trying to be more present. So bath time for me has become more of a thing, which has been kind of nice. And then the other thing that I've been trying to do more and more of that I read just a couple weeks ago um, in this book by this woman, Pema Chodron. I don't know if I'm saying her name properly, mm-hmm. but she's you know, Buddhist monk, very interesting woman. And one of the practices that she recommends is something she calls a pause practice where, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you just take three deep and intentional breaths to just bring yourself back to the present moment, whatever is happening, whatever you're experiencing. And for me, that usually leads to a moment of gratitude, even in the midst of all the Mm. current craziness of my life, you know, the the stopping and taking three deep breaths and remembering that some of the craziness is in part 
to things that I've been waiting my whole life to have happen, you know, this book and this baby. Um, so that, that has been helpful for me too. It's so interesting you mention um, Pema Chodron because I don't know if it was in Things Fall Apart that you were reading. I- I've read a bunch of her books and I feel like I was given her book, Things Fall Apart, <laughs> by many people after my mom died. Dory, I don't know. Have you read that? Is that this the, is one? the one that I got? I got comfortable with okay. uncertainty after my mom died. And you can okay. see, I mean, the spine is a mess. Like I turn to it. I turn to it often. It's from one of my roommates in college. Well, I had this feeling when I was reading your book grief is love that I was like, Oh, this is the new, this is the book that people are going to give friends who are great. Like th- this is the things fall apart uh, for the next like generation of grievers because it just, it was, it's just so um, it's like such a beautiful, it's a manual, but it's also a memoir and it's just so uh, human. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm still trying to find the words to describe it, but it just felt like, someone just passed me a little like, here you go. Here are some tools. And like, here's some comfort. Um, oh, that makes me so, so happy. That was the goal. So I'm glad. Yeah. Well, well it's also it. just, it's like, it's so easy to read. Like your, oh, that makes me so happy. writing oh my God. style is just so, <laughs> I don't know. It's like cozy, but so smart. And I, it was, it's just, it's so great because I feel like sometimes grief Books about grief can feel heavy in a way that make them hard to read. Yeah, 100%. And yours is not like that. So, Well, thank you. Yeah, it's just such a great book. That was that was the goal. You know, I wanted I wanted to and I tried to create the book that I wish I had. You know, I had Joan Didion's A Year of Magical Thinking. You know, I think that came out maybe a year or two before my mom died. So that was the book that multiple people gave me. And I, and I did find comfort in her writing, obviously is beautiful. And just the way that she described the pain that she was experiencing. But I didn't feel like there was anything to get me from those early, you know, deeply disorienting, overwhelming, incredibly painful weeks and months and everything else. You know, like what, like I I didn't have anything for the, like, okay, what's next? Like how, how do you, how do you continue to acknowledge someone you love who's no longer here without just being sad and depressed all the time? You know, like that, that's what I wanted to try and figure out and share. When you were dealing with pregnancy loss, was there... Was there another kind of, did people also hand you books? I do feel like that's often a things, an, a, an act of kindness that people yeah. do to, for others who are experiencing grief. But it, sometimes it's like hit or miss, yeah. you know, like I yeah. appreciate it always, but it doesn't always like, okay, doesn't so always So you will appreciate this, uh, Kate. When I was going through the pregnancy loss and even just, and you'll appreciate this story in like the lead up, all of the grief and anxiety and frustration and just, you know, sadness that comes with the trying and failing and the stress of the trying, um, the books that were recommended and that were given to me were all romance books, which was not my thing at all. Like I don't. I don't think I read from the time I was in high school until like right before we experienced this pregnancy loss. I don't think I had read a single romance book. 
and uh, Lizzie, who y'all had on the podcast um, a couple months ago, she recommended one of Jasmine Guillory's books. And of course, I immediately fell in love and then read them all. And now in my mind, I'm friends with Jasmine. She does not know me, um, but I am friends with her because those books were such a big part of helping me through that tough time leading up and then just mm-hmm. gave me a place to escape when I was on the other side and feeling bereft and alone and confused and just physically unwell too. Um, so I, I'm a huge, huge fan of gifting lighter books during hard times as well now. That's a yes, great suggestion. I love that. <laughs> you know, I, like you I need love, an escape yes. sometimes too. Like, mm-hmm. so Yeah. I love that because I, you know, it's funny. A lot of times people will send me like DMs and they're like, should I give your book to my friend whose mom is about to die? And I'm like, I don't know. Like that. <laughs> You're like, that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yes. Like, ooh, like it's not yeah. the lightest read. So yeah. I, I love the idea of, and I think our instinct is always to be like, oh, you're grieving. Here's this book on grief yeah. Yeah. Uh, to hand to people. But I also think it is really important when we're experiencing grief to be able to find a book and see ourselves reflected in it, um, which I think is what you've really given here. Uh, and it's Thank just. You. Thank you. Uh, I, really- I, I loved what you, I mean, you know, as someone who has also dealt with infertility and IVF and the whole rigmarole and you know going through the ringer of all that it's brutal and i loved what you wrote about it and i also loved kind of how you pointed out that like it is different for black women um and kind of the way you wrote about how like your grief around pregnancy loss um and this is a, a quote from your book you said it felt layered with the history of black women pregnancy motherhood and reproductive health in this country um, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that because the the kind of <laughs> the world of like infertility influencers, I oh guess, God, as as you get me right, like is a very <laughs> white it's a very white space. Yeah. Um, and it it can often feel like those are the only kinds of infertility stories that are yeah. sort of like okay to tell. Um so I just, you know, I'd be curious to kind of hear you expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So it's one of those things and you've both done it. I think we sometimes don't realize all that we're carrying until we're forced to like stop and sit down and really reflect on it and mm. put it together in a way where it's helpful for somebody else. You know, like when when I was yes. going through... When I was going through the experience of like, you know, my initial diagnosis, navigating infertility and IVF and egg donor IVF and, you know, all of these things with my white husband, um, I, I wasn't thinking about the fact that, oh, and there is this added piece to it for me as a black woman, you know, these, these both expectations around strength and making everything, no matter how hard it is, seem easy. And also, you know, I, I didn't really think about deeply, like what it meant to be a mother and how we define motherhood and what is and isn't acceptable around motherhood until the loss happened, you know? And then I was like, wait a minute, like what, like how, how did we come up with what this is supposed to look like? 
who is and isn't acceptable, what is and isn't accessible. And unfortunately, just like literally everything else, it is all tied to capitalism and white supremacy, you know? And then I started thinking about the history of Black mothers in this country. And, and it's come up a lot since then because, you know, my my son, who's seven months old now, we adopted him. And even the questions that I've gotten from uh, Black friends who are, you know, our peers, our generation, about how did you navigate the legal adoption process. And there's, there's always like this additional word that they throw in there, because if you are generally speaking, like if you are black and of our generation, you know, people in your family who either have been quote adopted or have like adopted other people's children as like circumstances come up. And, you know, like my grandmother did it. She raised three of my cousins and she also ended up, you know, unofficially adopting one of my younger uncle's girlfriends who like didn't have a family. Like that's like, that's just kind of how Mm. it goes. So even the fact that we were going through like a true traditional, like legal adoption process was like weird for some people who not, not weird in a bad way, but unfamiliar to people who I'm friends with who are black. And so as I started to unpack that, I started to realize like our, our definition of, motherhood and like how it starts, how slash if it ends and what it all looks like is really limited. And I wanted mm-hmm. to, I wanted to share some of like why it was hard for me, even though I didn't necessarily realize it was hard in these ways at the time. But, you know, Dory, you're going to the doctor sometimes every couple of days getting poked and prodded and, you know, the waiting for the test results and the blood work and the freaking vaginal ultrasounds and everything else. Mm -hmm. And always in that environment to feel different. Like there is, there is weight in that. Like there's, there's a challenge there. You know, the only, the only black people who I saw on a consistent basis throughout that process were nurses, like at the clinics, you know, like they were never Mm -hmm. patients. I think I only saw one other person of color the entire time. Wow. Um, and so that then also leads you to think about how that whole industry is set up. And, you know, it just, yep. there's, there's a yep. lot there. I, that's like a whole. Right. Once you start podcast, kind of pulling like, on that thread, it's just it's like horrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. And then even yeah. basic challenges, like, you know, we were doing egg donor IVF because of my underlying health condition. It is much harder to find black donor eggs. So it's like even like little things in this massive, expensive, time-consuming process were made more challenging because of my race. Yeah, And so I felt it was important to point to that and also to acknowledge, you know, my privilege, even as a Black woman, to just be able to be in those spaces, to, you know, Mm -hmm. go to the best doctors in New York City and, you know, to have the resources to afford these things. Like as challenging as it was, there is also privilege in that, that I wanted to be sure to call out as well. Well, I mean, I was really glad that you talked about it. And I feel like these conversations around infertility, as, as more and more people talk about this stuff, the intersectionality of it is just going to like, we need to talk about that more as well. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really glad that you're kind of opening this conversation. Yeah, I I was really um 
I really appreciated you connecting the dots between capitalism and how our society does not really make room for grief because I don't think yeah. I'd ever really like you kind of understand that as you move through grief, but I'd never seen someone just call it out so clearly before until your book. And I was like, Oh God, like it's, Oh so wow. Fucked up. Like it's so yes. fucked up. But when you stop to think about it, like your feelings, your grief, like it is an inconvenience. And it, and, and then you're like, wait, why, why does it feel like anytime I am feeling sad or, having these moments of grief, like, why does that feel like an inconvenience? Oh, because I am expected primarily to just produce, like to be producing something all of the time. And then it was, why do we have this obsession with productivity? You know, like as I just, right, and, right. and I spent, and like, you know, I'm talking to you guys on the floor of my office, like this is where I spent most of 2020 and 2021 writing and crying and asking questions and trying to figure this stuff out. And fundamentally, we, we all have to, we all have to recognize and acknowledge that so much of how we behave, how we are expected to behave, what we are and are not expected to do is tied to bigger things. You know, like there are these mm. societal cultural norms. And when you start asking, like, why is this normal, but that's not normal? You know, even I, in my uh, consulting work, I do a lot of work around equity, particularly racial equity, but also LGBTQ rights and equity. And like, even thinking about these conversations that are happening right now, these horrendous discussions around, you know, the don't say gay bill and trans kids in Texas, it just is infuriating. But it's like, wh why is this such a problem for some people? Like, why do you care? If books are teaching about, you know, how different and unique and special we all are, you know, by sharing these different gender expressions and sexual identifications, like what, why do, why are you obsessed with that? Why do you think that's wrong? And again, when you start peeling back the layers, like it becomes really clear. And so much of it is about whiteness and capitalism, unfortunately. I know. <laughs> I know. It all comes back. We do, <laughs> you know, but it's like, but I appreciate that the con that like this conversation is happening and that you, you, so you speak to it so clearly. Like it's, you just make it like you're, it's just, I don't know. It just really hit me. And that there was, I mean, look, this is what I did to your book. So I'm not sure I can find. <laughs> You can't see this because this is a podcast, but I have like a hundred little tabs in the book, so I can't find where you wrote it. But there was one moment where I was just like, oh my God, capitalism and white supremacy, everything. I know. Um, it's wild. I wanted to, I wanted to shift gears and just ask about, um, you have a great kind of, um, anecdote in your book talking about, how you honor your mom's quote death anniversary, which is like the unofficial <laughs> word that I think grieving people all we all just use to refer to the day that our person died. Yeah, we gotta get it and, in Webster's. We gotta get it in the dictionary. Right? Like it's time. De it's what are we? It's such a weird day where you're like, what do I call it? But it Let's is it is an important day. We're gonna make it an official death anniversary. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Uh, it's a great word, and you have this story which like. 
I was, it wasn't funny, but I was also like, there were funny moments where I was chuckling because you were working in the Obama White House directly (laughs) for President Obama. And there was this campaign that you were working on that was important to you, important to the president. And they had to shift the date and it almost fell on your death, your mom's death anniversary. And you talk about how like you always had taken that day off from work. And if this event happened on that day, like, you were gonna like the president is important, but that day and what it means to you is more important. And I think like where else can this be more highlighted than when you are working for the president of the United States? Oh my god. So I loved that uh that moment also just as someone who always kind of contemplates what to do on this day. And I was wondering when people kind of ask you like how how should they spend their person's death anniversary? What do you tell people and how do you still still mark this day? So my response to all things grief related is, first of all, there are no shoulds. So like what I should do is probably going to be different from what you, Kate, or anyone else should do. Like that's, that's one of my biggest things. You know, I think, I think a lot of people try to be really specific about what does and doesn't work for people around grief and, and, you know, other life challenges. And my thing is, what is going to work for you is being honest about what you need. Like start, start there. Mm. And for me, I have wanted to like, since she passed away, I've wanted to have my mother's birthday and her death day as days where I, I don't have any commitments. I don't have any responsibilities. You know, I spend a lot of time working and doing things for myself and others. And just knowing that those two days in February I don't have to be accountable for anything except for mm. honoring my own feelings. And for me personally, it's looked, it's looked different throughout the years. You know, at some point there are always going to be some tears. And the fact also that my mom died and uh, was born 10 days apart means that it's just a period of like mm. very intense emotions and it's February, which just kind of sucks as a month. Um, so it's, it's always a little bit of a lot. Um, I usually will bake something somewhere in there. My mom had a notorious sweet tooth and was a very good baker. So you'll get some homemade chocolate chip cookies for a couple of years. I went on a crusade to perfect like a yellow cake with homemade chocolate frosting, like all made from scratch, obviously. Um, so that was a thing for a while. Um, I also have a great brownie recipe. So baking something is high on my list, getting extra rest and just doing things that feel indulgent around Mm self-care. Even if that's just, let's say her death day is on a Tuesday and I'm taking a nap at 2 PM. How often do I get Mm -hmm. to take a nap for an unlimited amount of time at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, like, like what is going to make me feel cared for because she's no longer here to care for me. So like, what can I do to care for and comfort myself and create space for whatever feelings arise? And then also like, what can I do that will allow me to feel that connection to her, you know, so whether it's the baking or you guys can obviously see, I have these bright yellow nails, you know, I got my nails done on her death anniversary this year, you know, so it's, for me, it's, it's like the care and the connection, like that's what matters most to me. But for you, you know, maybe it's you, you know, Kate, I think this year you were with family. Um, and, and maybe that's, you know, like what, whatever, whatever is going to feel good to you on an otherwise probably pretty shitty day. Like that's, yeah. that's what I want to encourage people. Just like, 
take the space and the time that you need to access whatever is going to make you feel even just a little bit better. Hmm. I love that. I think that's, it's such good advice because grief is so individual. Exactly. And I I think that's what, even though there are these kind of larger systemic influences, the way we experience it is so individual and it can, it can be so hard. You know, we're kind of taught there are ways to go through it. And I think you point out too that like the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, yeah. like yeah. the five stages of grief are for dying people. They're yeah, not for not the people for grieving. Yeah. 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 Yes. Which I don't think I knew until you pointed that out. And doesn't it just like when I first read that and it was through doing the research for this book, because that's the other thing that was important to me about this book. You know, I had been talking for years, you know, I want to write this book. I know I have this book. I know I have to write this book. And then, you know, summer of 2020 start actually getting agents calling and trying to figure it out. And my husband at one point said, like, why should somebody trust you? You know, like what makes you a grief expert? And I was like, ooh, he's a scientist, by the way. So like very different types of expertise there. But I was like, ooh, that's a really good point. You know what? I I am not a grief expert. And that's when I realized like I'm actually a grief advocate. I want to be someone who encourages people to do what they need to do to honor their grief and just helps normalize grief. Like that's what I really want to do. So I partnered up with an actual researcher, a bereavement professor at Harvard, Dr. Christy Dankla. She also dealt with all of the infertility stuff and lost a parent at a young age. Um, and mm-hmm. through her, I learned all of these things about our bodies and our brains and why so many aspects of grief are so challenging. And that it's because they should be challenging. And and through her, I even stopped fighting some of my own tendencies to be like, oh, you should be fine. You know, like, what is wrong with you? Like, get it together, sort of. Um, and through her, I learned about the origins of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work. And yeah, they were not for you or me, but for people who were dying themselves. And at that point, I was like, oh, shit, what else don't I know? Um, and got to work with her. So, yeah. Yeah, I loved how you were like, this was like a weird game of telephone. Yes. <laughs> like we yes. now have like all, we all think that this is the, the like path that we're all supposed to follow with our grief. And in fact, it's not, like, it's not fact, it's at not. all. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it, and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed, They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science 
to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. All right, we are back. I wanted to go back to um, vulnerability. Um, And... Yeah, I was really struck by what you wrote about how, you know, if if your day-to-day life, you wrote if day-to-day living often feels like a battle, grieving feels like grieving seems like a luxury. And I was I was hoping you could kind of talk about that in the context of your own experience, but also kind yeah. of just more broadly in the context of especially black women's experiences in this country. Um with grief and kind of navigating this feeling of like, well, I don't feel safe in my day-to-day life. So how am I supposed to kind of allow myself the space to feel vulnerable? So I started thinking about, um, you know, why was I able to handle the loss of our pregnancy? I don't want to say so much better, but why was I able to be so much more open about what we were experiencing, you know, how hard it was, how sad it was. You know, we shared our infertility journey before we even went through the last pregnancy attempt um, that we had. And when it didn't work out, you know, I was all over Facebook and Instagram and telling clients and basically I would tell anybody who would listen. And it was, in the moment, I thought it was mostly because one of the main differences between the two losses was I was also very like physically sick from this pregnancy loss and like underlying health and, and hormonal issues. And so I felt like, oh, I have to tell people so that I don't have to lie about the fact that I am, I am currently ill. Um, but then when I looked back and, you know, examined it through the lens of writing this book, I realized I just, I felt so much more comfortable being honest about what was going on. And as I looked at why I felt that way, I realized I was in a place, you know, this is now two and a half years ago, I was 36 or so, where I just like didn't give a fuck what people thought. 
You know, like I realized like what, as I was sharing, like, are people going to think I'm being too sensitive, too emotional? Like, you know, I am also a reproductive rights, reproductive health person. So like, are people going to be like, this is literally a bundle of cells. Like, what is she talking about? You know, like, like I went through all of the different things that people might say to judge me or like might use against me. And I realized I just didn't give a shit. Like if they Mm. didn't get it and like thought that I was being weak or too emotional or immature or whatever. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Um, and so then I had to ask, why don't I give a fuck? And I yeah. realized a lot of it is rooted in where I, you know, where I was in life when we lost that pregnancy versus where I was in life when I lost my mom. You know, when I lost my mom, I'd been working on Wall Street for like two years. I was mm. the only black person for the most part. Uh, oftentimes the only woman as well. And usually the youngest person, because I mean, this may not be obvious, but if people read my book, it will be obvious very quickly. I am the person who's like, I'm going to be the best at this. And so of course I was always asking for like the biggest projects, the hardest clients, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have, I didn't have the kind of like social support or practical financial support and independence Mm. that I had then, you know, over a decade later, you know, 10 years later, at that point, I was, as opposed to just starting off in my career, I was accomplished in my career. You know, I'd done Wall Street, I'd done the White House, I built a nonprofit that was a part of the Obama Foundation, I had my own business, I had the husband, I have the house, you know, like, I had all these things that make you as safe as possible in this country, you know? Again, according mm-hmm. to the standards of whiteness and capitalism and just like how things function in the world. Like it, it is what it is. Right. And so I realized, you know, we, we talk a lot about vulnerability and we're quick to give out these cookies for being vulnerable and like what we think vulnerability is. But how can you be vulnerable? Forget about if you're, you know, the, teen mother who's black or brown and barely making it and, you know, trying to get yourself on track. But, you know, these days also, if you're, if you're the trans man who God forbid also happens to be a person of color, like, you know, like, like what does vulnerability look like for people who have already been made vulnerable by the circumstances that they're in and by the way that society treats them? And when I realized that, I was like, oh shit, like this is why grief and trauma and ultimately healing are so much harder for black people, indigenous people, mm. LGBTQ folks, you know, Native Americans, like everyone, because you're not in a place where you have all of the things that you need to really be safe. And if you're not safe, you can't let your guard down and grieve. Like you, you, you can't afford yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the change has to be a <clears throat> systemic one. Exactly. You exactly. Know, as you, as you point, as you point out, so much of the focus is always on the individual to figure out their grieving and to, and, and ultimately it's so much bigger than us. Um, and what I will I say so, to individuals though, because I think it's, mm, you know, like what I wish, what I wish someone had said to me back then is like, it's okay to let your guard down, even if it's just a little bit or just with certain people, you know, maybe you can't be as 
open about all of these hard things as I have been able to be, but, you know, figure out what you can do to open yourself up to even like a little bit of vulnerability or to even just one trusted person or trusted resource because grief is just too hard to do completely by yourself. So the title of your book, which I think is ultimately kind of the entire thesis of your book is this idea that grief is love, which really makes in my family makes what we say blubber, which is what we call crying where I just start, you know, <laughs> uh, just that I, just that concept really, I, I find really moving. And, um, and, and also the, the moment you share where you, you discussed how you were in conversation with Trayvon Martin's mom, uh, and how she spoke about the love she and her son had in the present tense. Oh my God. It's and still, and how that impacted you. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I know. I, this is why I was like crying in the bathroom before we got on the phone <laughs> or on that interview. Cause I was like, I kept thinking about just one, her experience and her Dude, grief and loss. And then, then having the ability to even just come to that makes just wrecks me. And so, but it's also incredibly powerful because so, you know, the way we have kind of been conditioned to talk about our loved ones who have passed is in this past tense. So I would love to hear kind of how you, how you develop your thinking on this and how you really kind of landed on this idea uh, in all aspects of life and grief to choose love and focus on this idea that grief is love? So it happened in stages. You know, the first thing for me was having that pregnancy loss take place over a decade after I lost my mom and realizing, and you know, I will never forget this moment. Like I was on the floor of our bathroom, like trying to fit my five, seven, 155 pound self onto like the bath mat, which, you know, obviously was not working. And, um, just being on the floor and being so physically sick that like, I couldn't even cry, you know, just like so ill. And all I wanted was my mom. And it's like, it's been over 10 years. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, and you know, thank God that day, um, my cousin who's a nurse and her husband at the time, who's a doctor were there. And like, they were able to like help me and like actually practically help take care of me. Cause even my husband was just like terrified by how sick I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, in the months that followed, you know, suddenly the world was shut down because of the pandemic. I had another set of like my mom's like birthday and anniversary pass. And I just, I realized as I tried to process all of this grief, like, you know, the current pregnancy loss grief, my physical health was still off track and just wanting my mom to be there with me. I was like, oh shit, like you don't, you don't get over it. Like you, you don't get over these, Mm. these losses. Like, and I was like, what does that even mean? And I didn't have an answer. Um, but I ended up writing an article about it for Glamour that then led to this book deal. Um, but before I started writing the book, I got into this conversation, um, with Trayvon Martin's mom, Sabrina Fulton, who I'd met a few times before. And she just, 
I mean, I am honestly overwhelmed by this woman's ability to still participate in the world, like period. Forget about all of her advocacy and like charitable work and the things that she does out in the world to honor her son. You know, when I talked to her, she was like running for city council and running his foundation and, 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 you know, doing a million other things. And because it was summer of 2020, when we spoke, she was also serving as a comfort to all of these other families who were experiencing, you know, like being on the phone with George Floyd's brother, like earlier that day, like that kind of thing. And I was just like, how are you doing this? Like, how, like you have every right given what the world has taken from you to just be shut up in your room with like, romance movies, romance, you know, and like drinking tea for the rest of your life. Like you literally, you owe us nothing. And I asked her like, you know, like how does she continue to think about her work in relationship to her son? And like, why, why is she even still trying to help out the rest of us basically? And she led with that piece of, you know, I still love my son and I know my son still loves me. And when she said that it was like a smack in the face And I just kind of like sat with it for a while and realized like, of course I still love my mom. That's why I'm so fucking sad. Like that's like, that's literally the root of this whole thing. And then as I was working on the book and doing this research and I should add, uh, my husband and I, you know, we were in this process for five years trying to get pregnant and then doing the adoption stuff. And our son showed up with less than 24 hours notice three weeks before my book was due. Mm. And so I now had this like new experience of love to like reflect on and also loss because, you know, the kid shows up and I'm like, well, of course I want my mom to fucking show me how to do all of this stuff. Um, And I realized one morning that like there has to be, I was like, there must be some science behind the idea that once you have this like deep experience of love and attachment with someone else, like that it doesn't just go away. Like that the whole idea of getting over, like it has to be factually incorrect. Like that's what I want to find you. Like that was like my nerdy, like Harvard self. Like I, I want to know, like, give me, give me some data, give me some science, give me something here. And so I talked to, Christy and she said, yeah, oh, yeah, that's absolutely a thing. Like, here's all of the data and research to support exactly what you're saying. And I was like, oh my God, everybody needs to know this. And it is this theory of attachment known as the continuing bonds theory of attachment that basically argues that once you have one of these fundamental attachment relationships that were like the basis is reciprocal, unconditional love, you know, parent, child, spouse, best friend, sibling, like anyone who you would consider like one of yours, you know, like Mm. that bond isn't broken when they die instead. And this is a part of why grief is so disorienting and painful, especially in those early weeks, your brain has to reconfigure itself to accommodate for their physical absence. But the emotional part of it does actually technically continue. Like there is no, there is no off switch for the love. Like that's the simplest way of saying it. And so I came to view the pain of grief as the pain of unrequited, unconditional love. Like you can still have the feeling, 
But because love is both feeling and action, and your people are no longer here with you, you know, baking cookies at Christmas and, you know, buying presents for your birthday and picking up your call of what the random question or whatever, like <laughs> that, that is the pain that we feel, you know, like not being able to have these actions and, you know, these shared experiences that you would have with them otherwise, but the feelings are absolutely still there. Oh, that's just really beautiful. Thank you for getting into that. I just think that is so like, that's just the heart of your whole book. And it's just is so moving. Thank you. It's such a gift. Thank you. Well, look, Oh, sorry, Dory. (laughs) Oh no, I was just going to say, um, could we ask you about skincare? (laughs) (laughs) Not to just like totally switch gears. What do you put on your face while grieving? While grieving. I mean, no, but I'm like, you, you have a, you have a mask that you brought to the conversation. We know that there's one lurking. Also, wait, I have a request. Can you also talk about your nails? Oh yeah. 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 Thank you. Great. Thank you. And and these things actually do connect to grief, believe it or not. Um, This is why it's called living with loss ladies. So Mm -hmm. my mom, like one of the things that I always think about of my mom's, you know, I don't know if you have this Kate, but like, I don't, obviously I think about her face, but I don't actually think about her face as much as I think about her hands. Um, Mm -hmm. She had, I have my dad's, man hands, like very big, huge fingers. I can palm a basketball if you need me to open, you know, a jar of pickles, whatever, but no one is going to call like these mitts, like elegant or anything like that. (laughs) Whereas my mom had, you know, the long, elegant fingers and like beautiful natural nails and whatever. And she was a manicure pedicure person, you know, like she was always getting her nails done. The woman was buried with like her nails painted after she died. Like that was a part of the instructions I gave to the undertaker. So the nails thing for me is always a connection to my mom and everyone who knows me knows that 95% of the time I'm going to have my nails done because that's like my mom thing. And now I've actually found Mm. locally for folks who are in the DC area, nothing in between. It's this organic, non-toxic nail studio. We will actually be doing a grief is love event there um, because they are all about holistic self-care. So the nails are a mom thing. This color, I felt like I needed some more joy and sort of a reminder to be joyful and present during this very, very, very busy season. So that's why I went with this. Um, I'm sorry that folks... We're listening. Can't see the color, but I'll I'll try and take some pictures and share on very, social media. It's a very good color. Yeah, it's a good color. <laughs> My mom was like ultimate girly girl, and I am also on that team. And while I very much believe that self care can be a full spectrum of things, even just the three deep breaths that we talked about in the beginning, I decided during the pandemic that it was time for a skincare routine. Like I'd never done it. Okay. Not okay. moisturizer. Didn't like wash my face by putting water on it in the shower. I would put Vaseline on my face, which if you're black, like okay. Vaseline is great, but it's actually not great for your face. So don't do that. Um, so that's what I was doing. And then I got into like a whole multi-step, you know, serum, et cetera, routine that I'm pretty good about, but not perfect. But this one thing that I have to share, it, it might be insanely expensive, but I'm going to share it anyway. It is the Environ Focus Care Youth Plus Revival Mask. 
anyone who tries this mask, I don't know if you guys can see it, but anybody who tries it is like, I look like a younger person afterwards. <gasps> and you really do. And like, I think I have Ooh. naturally pretty good skin, you know, black don't crack, all that good stuff. But this is, this is one of my favorite game changer products. Um, so yes, huge, huge fan of the mask and just putting on a face mask for the purpose of taking a break for 10 minutes. Like put down your phone, like Love it. just do it, do something small yeah. for yourself. It does kind of force you to stop, right? You yeah. kind of can't just like, yeah, it does kind of make you stop. Okay. Now I'm deep into Environ. I've never even heard of this. Line. That is, that is my primary <laughs> line. My skincare lady. Um, oh my gosh. Am I really going to forget her brand? Oh my gosh. This is going to kill me. I have to find it because she's so, so amazing. Um, and such a good feed your skin studio. That's my lady. Ooh. Ooh. Um, okay. Her name is okay. Lisa. Check her out. She's a wonderful, wonderful human. Um, and answers all of my random skincare questions. Oh, well, thank you for this hot tip. <laughs> yeah. I love a line. Like, it's amazing. After four years of doing this podcast, there's so much we don't know. So many brands we've still never heard of, Dory. I know. I know. I'm going to think about it. So I'm going to be wild. like texting you other things that I like. Please. Feel free. Please. Osmosis. Have you used any Osmosis products? That's another no. one of her lines. No. They have a revival mask that I actually did today um after my daily cry i was like you need to do something about your oh. face so that's what i did today <laughs> i like that you're a mask person too i feel like oftentimes love them you're either one or the other you're either are on or off with a mask but yeah. i like that to okay. me the mask is like the taking a bath you know like it like forces yeah. you to really like slow down and be intentional and just take a minute um so yeah i am i am pro mask well Marissa, this has been a literal dream come true. Uh, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Um, your thank you for having Grief me. is Love is out April. Uh, I'm getting you mixed up with my other friend. You're April 12th. April 12th. Okay, I have two so friends with is, April 12th. That is this coming Tuesday. This yeah. is coming out on the... Next the day, week. the week before, yeah, the, okay. the week before. <laughs> I'm like, uh, calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, so this is out on Tuesday. Oh, um, do you have any events that our listeners might want to know about? Yes. So, uh, we're doing a virtual event on April 11th on Instagram with Mina Harris from Phenomenal Ooh, Books cool. and Phenomenal wow. Media. Um, we are also doing an in-person event on April 14th at RJ Julia Bookstore in Madison, Connecticut, one of the biggest and I'm really excited, super fun independent bookstores, um, in the country. And then we're doing an event in New York City on April 21st, location TBD. We're doing an event in DC at Politics and Prose on May 7th. And then I'm also participating in an event at the Kennedy Center here in DC on May 13th. So that's all that's current, but Very folks should cool. definitely uh, join me on Instagram and sign up for my newsletter to learn more. It's Marissa Renee Lee. Perfect. All right. Thank you, well, Marissa. Marissa. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Uh, another guest who I just like want to be friends with. I feel the same way that you do. Like every guest that we have on, I'm like, now we're best friends. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, uh, we're all, we're going to hang out forever and be best friends. Totally. And maybe we will. I mean, maybe, maybe we will.
<sighs> well, Dory, I know last week Matt was going away for a couple of nights and your intention was not to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Did you or did you not? Well, it got a little tricky because he came back early. Excuse me. How dare he? Because the friend that he was with found out he'd had a COVID exposure oh, and went had to go home for childcare reasons and the fact that he had had a COVID exposure. And so Matt came home early and now like it's just it was just sort of a... um. It was not the trip I think that either of us had anticipated. So I did not really get overwhelmed, but he also wasn't gone for as long as, as he was supposed to be. Gotcha. Okay. And then this week, so do you remember, I think last week I talked about how I hadn't done the yoga that I wanted to do. And you said that Jessamine Stanley would probably be okay with that. Yes. Okay. So I found a genre of yoga on the peloton that i'm really enjoying and i think has been really beneficial and it is their 10 minute focus flow hamstrings and hips those are two separate classes so nice okay one for hamstrings one One for for hamstrings one for hips top by like there's a few different ones taught by different teachers and those have been so great because I feel like my hamstrings and hips get so tight because I'm like playing a lot of tennis now and I'm I'm on the I'm on the Peloton and I was just feeling very like ugh. Um and I like kicked things off by doing a 30 minute hip opener class that was amazing and like totally got rid of some of the pain that I was having in my legs. And so I'm trying to be consistent about doing these 10 minute hip and hamstring op- like opening classes a few times a week. Nice. Look at you. I like that you're taking care of yourself in this way. Um, thank you, Kate. Are How you also you? foam rolling? Oh. I've just got a curiosity. You know, I I've had a foam roller for years. I've gone through phases of foam rolling. I just mm-hmm. cannot get into foam rolling. That's okay. It's just like not my thing. I don't know. That's okay. Does it need to be? It's just curious. Um, Kate, let's talk about your meal planning. Oh my goodness. Okay. I made an amazing discovery. All right. So last week I wanted to plan quote four easy meals for the family with the input of my children. I kind of bailed on the input of my children part of it. Mm. Where Understandable. Like, you know yeah. I was like, I don't feel like asking you. I want to do that. I'm going to do this myself. Well, I literally was Googling like and I do this every time where it's like easy dinners, you know, but they're never really that easy. And I have reached a point where like, I don't want to put any effort into making dinner. Mm. And I should say like, I share cooking responsibilities with my husband, but I like, I cook most of the meals and he does the cleanup. And I think I would, I hate dishes. I hate doing dishes so much. Like that's I would what, rather. That's what we have like come yeah. to do. Yeah. Yes. It would take me like three hours to like do the dishes and wipe down the kitchen and do all that stuff. And he just kind of like whips it out. So I would much rather be cooking, but I don't want to put a lot of effort into my cooking. And I'm talking like the most minimal amount I can possibly do. So somehow I stumbled upon someone's website called thelazydish.com. Okay. And I printed out a bunch 
of this person's recipes. Her name is Lily, according to the website. And so far, they I've made two of them, and they have been met with applause. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm kind of, I'm like, what is happening? And my kids are like, this is delicious. I made one that was a gravy and chicken, like a crock pot thing. And I'm talking like a can of cream of chicken, a, like some packets of gravy powder. So like I am, I, I can't, I can't chop. I can't be bothered to do anything. And then I put some rice in our rice cooker. Okay. And like, then I steamed a bag of green beans. That Great. was it. Okay. And then I made like a teriyaki chicken again with rice from the rice cooker and I sliced up some vegetables. Mm. Also a hit. I have another one of her recipes to try for like buffalo chicken sandwiches. Ooh, okay. Which is again, literally like dumping a jar of buffalo sauce, some packets of ranch powder and some chicken breast into the crock pot and then putting them on some like hoagie buns. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's all I want to do. I think that I was a little, sorry, I'm kind of going on a rant here, but I think that I was a little bit snobbish where it was like, I don't want to use a can of cream chicken. It's not good for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I had some, I don't know what the word is, arrogance, ignorance, I don't know, Uh, where I was like, I still want to like make something from scratch, but I don't, I don't, I want to rely on as much fucking help as I can. Like mm. microwave bag of rice, microwave vegetable. Like I just, I hate making dinner. Yeah. So that's where you. I am at. So these, so these webs, these, these recipes have been super easy. And also like my kids have eaten them in a way that oftentimes when I exert more effort, they were like, ew. So. Oh, that's interesting. Shout out to the lazydish.com. I'm now going to be using like every recipe on and like she does a lot of like get a rotisserie chicken and shred it, which is another thing I love to do and like put it in this dish. Oh, that's so funny. So there you go, Dory. That's where I'm at today. I love this for you. Okay. Whew, that was a mouthful. Too much information. And then next week, I am committing to getting into a rhythm of my daily mental health slash dog walk. I need to figure out when this happens and like, I need to do it daily. Okay. Tell me more we, about this. Well, we walk our dogs twice a day, but like, I think it would help if I if I went consistently at the same time. And right now I'm kind of it's kind of sporadic or I'm like saving it till two in the afternoon when I should do it in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd like to kind of like make it a habit, a consistent habit. I love this for you. Thank you, Dory. Thank you so much. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, well, Kate, Dory, it has been a pleasure. It really has been a pleasure. Been? Tis been a pleasure. I don't even think that's the proper way to use tis, but I'm going to do it. That's why I said Taz. Oh, I heard you say Taz. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, if we can't laugh at ourselves. (sighs) What's the point of anything at this point? Well, Dory, look, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by you and me, Dory Shafir and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager. 
and our network partner is ACAST. And we thank you for listening. Bye.